Welcome to the Ignite Podcast, where you'll discover the secrets to ignite the growth of your agency. This is the Industry Expert Series, where I chat to the most inspirational figures in the industry right now. On this week's super special podcast, the lady who stood right in front of me with her arms crossed, glaring at me, is on. It's my business partner, mother-in-law, friend, boss, fan, and all, all the rest. My 50-mile running buddy next year, late than 50, if anyone wants to come and support us. My favorite industry expert, the best industry expert, if you ask me, it's Samantha Ashdown. Hope you enjoy. If you are feeling frustrated with the lack of growth in your agency and you're impatient to reach those ever-moving goalposts, then here's your invitation to find out more about if and how we can help you scale and build the agency of your dreams. All we want you to do is go to fire-wave.co.uk forward slash AJMM and that'll be in the show notes as well. Here are your hosts, Sam and Phil. Today we've got a super special guest who's already tried to tell me how to do my own show. <laughs> Our show? No, this is my mini series that you've tried to put yourself. She's already tried to I'm tell me how to, how to do the intro, <laughs> how to do the outro, how to do the middle bit. So it should be fun. It's how our partnership's always been. It's Samantha Ashdown. Samantha Jane, please. We'll start with the same question, Samantha, that everyone else has been asked. So for you, what is a world-class estate agent, apart from me? Is that what you've said in every, every single one? No. Apart from me? But I was hoping that you'd say you. You. What is or who is? What is? What makes? Yes. This is my show. <laughs> Clarifying questions. <laughs> the quality of the brief, Phil. What makes a world-class estate agent caring and a bit of ego? I like the ego bit. But you might. You don't really like the caring bit. No, it's just the caring bit, I thought. Look, we've just had a phone call this morning from somebody who is uh, in a horrible position. They've bought a plot of land off us a couple of years ago and now his wife is very, very seriously ill with cancer and he's going to have to reevaluate everything he's doing. He's going to have to sell again. So I care about the outcome of that. I care not about the soul board. I care about what his experience is like and how we can make it as easy as, and potentially as profitable for him as possible. So he's got something that he can at least do with the money, something positive. So that's where the caring bit comes in because I genuinely care about that. I don't really care about things like the soul board and what shows up on Right Move. But in terms of the ego, then I, yeah, I really care about where our boards are because if we lose a really good house to a one of our competitive agents then actually yeah i'm gutted by that so can you be a world-class agent without caring no i don't think you can but i think you need the mixture of the two i think you need to you know you need to care about the client but you also need to care about the reputation of the agency so it is both caring mm. not sure it's my question your answer my answer yeah it's my show <laughs> it's our show my it's your show. episode this yeah this is first and last one no, your last. Just last yeah. one. But so right, so let's talk about caring. The, the reason being is because so the most caring agent in the country, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean they're world class. No, but if they care enough about the clients, and oh okay, I'll add an extra one in, care about the team and care about the reputation and the results, then yeah. It's, it's actually just caring, isn't it? It's about giving a damn. In fact, I would say that the people who don't do as well in this industry just don't really care enough. They don't care about their success. They're not motivated. 
What does caring, what's the result day to day? To give a damn about everything from the minute they come in. So when we come in, me and you look at things like the post pile to make sure that it's been done right. We might look at a brochure when it arrives to make sure that it's as perfect as it can possibly be. We've just done a team meeting where we're constantly checking ourselves to make sure that we're doing the best team meeting we can do. Then we've done leadership training, same thing, where we had in-depth, difficult conversations. What else have we done? We've had a client consult. Again, we care about the outcome of that client consult. So actually what we're doing is we're just caring about everything. From And this is what I think the dichotomy of of being a really good business leader, not just a state agent. We don't use words like that on my show. We do on my show. Dichotomy. Go and look it up. Is you have to care about the details, but you have to have a helicopter view. And that's where I think the biggest challenge is because you could have a real detailed person. We had detailed Dave working for us, didn't we? Did you know I was going to say Dave? I felt like I could tell you were going to I, I tell. Straight away, you, I didn't realise you were going to give him the nickname Detail Dave. I wish we'd had said that before, but I did know you were going to say Dave. <laughs> that's his new title who we loved and he was, was really great to work with, but he didn't have the helicopter view. We had to keep pulling up and up to the helicopter view. So I think you have to have both and that's hard to do. But you have to care about the helicopter view, which is your future, your financial future, your team's future, your client's future, the future of the company. And then you have to care about the details that make up your success path. Okay. Have you had completely different answers from everybody? Uh, the most consistent answer was consistency. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, but consistency without caring. And actually, I would prefer to be consistent than to care. But I'm not sure, to, to go to your point, I'm not sure you can be consistent if you don't care. I think you've got to consistently care. <laughs> and I had a, a long conversation with Sean Newman after we stopped recording. and That's helpful. Uh, well, I know. And at that point, he, he sort of went into, he talked all about consistency on the podcast. And afterwards, he was talking about discipline in his life. And because I was asking him about his fitness regime and all of this. And I wish that was in the podcast. Was, I found that really interesting. Where he's talking about everything he does is, is down to discipline. So he sets himself like little rules and he's consistent with it, which is fine. But I think you've got to have the discipline to be consistent. Mm -hmm. So I actually think discipline comes beforehand. But if you go back to what we're saying before about the detail versus the helicopter view and how you've got to, got to care about both, that's what he does. Not dropping it, yeah. No. He cares about his helicopter view, which is what yeah. he wants his life and his body to look like. Yes. But he cares about the details of every single day that I'm, I'm guessing those grams of protein, that many reps, yeah. that many miles. It's all the details, isn't it? His details are amazing. Mm -hmm. He has one of those beds, is it, that have got a certain frequency? We sold that guy's yes. house that's got you the, same the same thing. thing. Yeah. Yeah, there was... Who was it was saying at Expert? We've just come back from Expert Empires uh, in Wembley, which is two days of inspirational and motivational business speakers. And somebody said about the teeth cleaning. Were you there for that one? And he says, if you don't clean your teeth, yeah. it was Stephen Bartlett. Mm. It was. It was, wasn't it, Liam? Yeah, it was. He's nodding. So Stephen Bartlett says, if you don't clean your teeth today, you won't notice any difference. If you don't clean them tomorrow, yeah. it won't make any difference. If you don't clean them for a month, you start to notice a difference. And if you don't clean them for a lifetime, obviously, so we said, no teeth. What's easy to do is easy to give up. He did say that. What's difficult that to do is difficult. He, did. he didn't say that. No. <laughs> he just, just said, the other side. no, he just said, what's easy to do is also easy to not do. That's yes. all he said. Yeah. You're making it the rest. I am. I was trying to... Be clever. No, I was trying to give the actionable, because that, that's not really actionable, it's a statement, isn't it? So what does that mean? Yeah. Well, what it means is if it's easy to do, like clean your teeth, it's easy not to do. But if it's... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I appreciate I you repeating that, it I can't figure that out. I can't figure that out though, because I think... 
So I was listening to a podcast this morning and it said 45% of everything we do during the day is habit. So the consistency of habit would be that it's more natural for me to have a run in the morning than it is not to have a run. It's more natural for you to work out every day than it is for you not to work out. Yeah, I've got it. Go for it. So because it's easy to do, clean your teeth, it's easy not to do. Yeah. What he's saying is just because it's easy not to do doesn't mean you should not do it. You shouldn't not do it. Yes. Just because it's easy to do doesn't mean it's the wrong thing to do. No. And it doesn't mean it's not valuable. Exactly. Because if you clean your teeth every day for the next year, it's easy to do. And the results at the end of the year might be a 2 3% increase. Mm-hmm. But if you don't clean your teeth every day for the next year, which mm-hmm. is easy not to do, then your teeth are 20% worse. So the small thing. Yeah, but teeth is a bad example because actually teeth You gave is a, it. Yeah, it is. It's really bad. No, he's, he gave it. You overthrow my show here. Let me stick to... <laughs> Let me just tell you why I think teeth is a bad example. Go on. Because this, this, and I think this does tie back to a state agency and how a mediocre agent stays as a mediocre agent. Has bad teeth. Yeah, sometimes I do have bad teeth. <laughs> if you clean your teeth every day, you're only at maintenance. You're not at growth. It's not, they're not making, you're not making teeth any better. They're not exponentially better after 10 years. Whereas if you did, I don't know, 10 reps a day of something, bicep curls, after 10 years, your biceps would be a lot bigger. So the things you do every day you can't see the results for straight away. Mm-hmm. You're going to see the results in a year, two years, 10 years. We've only just started leadership training. And we've got a small leadership team of four. And I think that the results from that leadership training won't be seen for quite some time. Would you agree with that, Liam? He's nodding. Because I think that, you know, it might affect him, you know, half percent in the next week, but actually over the course of a year, it's that the compound effect. Compound interest. It's the compound effect by Darren, Darren Hardy, I'm thinking, the book. Yes. Yeah. And actually, this, this was what he was talking about. Oh, is it? Yeah, that's it's what he, he got, talked about, compound interest in everything. Who did? Stephen Bartlett. Oh. This was his point. Ah, right. And to take it back to teeth, mm-hmm. I understand that if you brush your teeth, the incremental gain isn't that obvious. And actually, it depends where you start with that. Yeah, and it probably isn't a gain. Depends where you start with that. Well, your teeth are dying. But if you don't do it, what's the impact? Yes. If you don't do it, it's an it's a incremental loss. Loss, yeah. And, Damage. And Formula One is a good is a good place to think about this. At the start of the year, anyone that follows Formula One, Mercedes started the year with a horrendous car, having won eight world championships on the trot, out of nowhere, and they they tried a an aerodynamic, totally different idea to any other team, and actually it backfired, and the car was pretty much useless. <laughs> Yet every single weekend since then, they've slightly tweaked the car. And now it's, I mean, it's its still not at the front, but it's so much closer to the front. And next year, they'll, they'll start winning again just by having tiny little tweaks mm. every week and tweaking it and then looking at all the data and seeing what has worked, what hasn't worked and going back and tweaking it again rather than just binning the car off and, and starting again. So I think that's a, a good metaphor almost to to our businesses mm. that it doesn't mean, if something's not working, don't, you don't always have to bin it. You can... No, it's like a member of staff, isn't it, really? You don't bin yeah. them off. You you um Sometimes you, you work do. with them. Sometimes you have to, yeah. Sometimes you do. It's like, it's like girlfriends. Can you remember that far back? No, I won't go there. Something else that Stephen Bartlett said was about Dave Brailsford and the British cycling team. Mm-hmm. And he said that the exactly reason... Exactly the same thing. Yeah. The reason that the British cycling team excelled was because he didn't just look at the bike. He looked at how soft the beds were in the hotels and he looked at it, it what was, they were eating every day. And Yeah, it, it's, it's the 1% details mm-hmm. that... So, as business owners, we often look for the big golden mm. nugget that will increase our profits by 20%. Mm. 
when actually, if you do 20 things that increase it by 1%, that's a lot easier to do and has the same result, then it's almost impossible to find a 20% increase that someone hasn't already done. Well, it's also a bit of pass-fail. 20% or nothing. Yes. Whereas the 21%... 20% drop. Yes, yeah, could be. But the 21%, if one of them fails, it doesn't matter, you've still got 19. Yeah. Does that answer your question? I can't remember what the question was. but What could... makes a world-class agent? Yeah. Five and a half years ago, what gave you the audacity to think you could be a successful estate agent? I remember those news headlines. <laughs> Claire Harvey reminded me of them um, yesterday in that comment, did you see? <laughs> Who, did, who do you think you are, Sam Ashdown, starting an agency? That's not what Claire said, by the way, but that was the general chit-chat at the time. Mm. What gave me the audacity? Because I believe in most businesses, if you're a marketer first and then the skill of that business second, you're more likely to succeed than the other way around. And I was a marketer first. Explain that. So I think we're marketers before we were estate agents. If we could give ourselves a mark out of 10 for marketing and a mark out of 10 for a state agency, I think the marketing will be higher. Yeah. If someone asks you, what do you do? What do you say? I'm a marketer. Yeah. I would never say I was an estate agent. No. But not because we're not proud of being estate agents, but because we grow businesses. That's yes. what we do. Yeah. So that was, that was the main reason, I think, because I, I felt that we had a success formula that we could follow. And that as long as I was the best at marketing and that I could share that with but you. But it is a slightly different industry, estate agency, where... For example, if you own a clothing brand and you market it very well and you start to get known for certain things and once you hit a a level, you're pretty much good to go. Whereas a state agency, as soon as you stop doing those things, it drops off and it's almost a two-level sales. So the first point of sales is to bring leads in and get valuations and get instructions. And then you've got to go and sell the home. Sell the house, yeah. Yeah, so going back to what you said about the, it is a bit all or nothing because if you get off that marketing treadmill, then the leads stop coming in. Not so much now because we're five and a half years in. I think the phone would still They still do though. What? If, if we stop doing the right things, hmm? we notice a dry up. Yeah, same with most industries though, isn't it? I don't know. Stop cleaning your cars and your forecourt, you're not going to attract If Nike anybody. stopped advertising with their... If they stopped sponsorship, I think they would, they would start dying. Yeah, I do. I think people buy in more to their sponsored athletes than they do to the brand. I do. But going back to, so my background before that, 2004, I set up Home Truths and I ran that till about 2010, 11. And that was helping homeowners sell more successfully. So I'd seen it from the other side. I'd heard every complaint (laughs) about estate agents for nine years or whatever it was, eight years. And and I knew what they needed. I I would be so frustrated with the agent to say, if you just do this, then your clients were blown out the water what until eventually. Well, this was usually caring and about the details. So going all the way back, but uh, producing amazing marketing. Because I, I think when we first opened, I thought that selling the houses and getting the best results was probably what we should be aiming for. And then we realized very quickly that without the stock, you can't sell. Mm-hmm. So actually, then we've, we flipped our focus to stock. And you said, didn't you, on, on day one, remember coming into the office, the office, it was my dining room. You said, what do we even do today? What's, what do we do on the first day? And I said, letters. So that was our number one focus, wasn't it? And actually, if you remember, we had a scorecard on the, on the wall. Do you remember? Output and results. So that was on day one. We do this, we get this. Because that's what you wanted to know. You wanted to colour by numbers, mm-hmm. didn't you? How do you run an estate agency? Well, I didn't know. I didn't run an estate agency. All I could see was where, it's easy, isn't it, to see where other people are going wrong. It's not necessarily 
easy to unpick and reverse engineer all those steps and then start right. Mm-hmm. So I think some of it was a little bit accidental for me and you. What, what was your biggest surprise from opening? How quickly we succeeded. How low the bar was with the existing estate agents. I think that most agents opening, you know, in their sort of first couple of years are overestimating the competition. Julie Hill, mm-hmm. prime example. Julie, if you're listening, hello. So Julie's in Dartmouth and Devon. She's got a beautiful brand called Coastal House. She was selling beautiful homes. But when we suggested to her that she send letters to properties that were already on the market with people like Savills, she went, oh, obviously I can't do better than Savills. So I, I said to her one day, do you remember? I said, right, well, let's look through the Savills uh, photographs. Yeah. And she went, oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah, that I could definitely do better than that. And that gave her the confidence to then go after them. And then she succeeded above Savills. Because I think that going back to the caring, that the independent agency owner will always be somebody like Savills because they care more. It actually matters to them. In fact, when we go to a Val together, we say, you know, if, if somebody said, well, you know, why would we choose you? Not that we would answer that question. But the, actually, the reason is because it really matters to us. It matters that we have a sold board and it matters mm-hmm. in our local community that we do a good job for our local community. And it matters that we get the results that they need and that they talk favorably about us. It, it really matters on a visceral level for us. It doesn't matter to Savills. They don't care. It matters to their shareholders at a very, very high level, but that doesn't translate to what... And I'm not just bashing Savills. Obviously, there's lots of other agents that you could lump together with Savills, but any kind of corporate agent will always lose against a local agent who cares and who delivers at the highest levels. What was your biggest surprise in terms of what you thought would be easier, what you thought would go right was actually totally different to what you expected? I probably thought building a social media following would be easier. It's been really hard. And more lucrative or not? Um, more lucrative. I probably overestimated it, yeah. I probably envisaged that people would direct message us with houses to sell. Mm. And we set out in the first year, we said, right, let's get to 10,000 Facebook followers by the time we're, I think, year three. We've barely moved the needle from year three, and it's about three and a half thousand. It's Julie from the Coastal House Estate Agency in Dartmouth. Oh gosh, there's lots of favourite parts. I would think it's actually the masterminds, bouncing back the ideas off a number of different agents who are all non-competing, so it's really helpful. There's lots of results, all positive. Competing against the top brands like Mike Frank and Savills, definitely dealing with much better properties in much higher values. What would you say to anyone who is considering joining Firewave? Oh, do it. <laughs> definitely do it. And don't delay, don't put it off. It's been really hard. And more lucrative or not? Um, more lucrative. I probably overestimated it, yeah. I probably envisaged that people would direct message us with houses to sell. Mm. And we set out in the first year, we said, right, let's get to 10,000 Facebook followers by the time we're, I think, year three. We, we've barely moved the needle from year three. And it's about three and a half thousand. So I think I thought that would be easier than it is. I think I thought Facebook ads would work better. That's been a bit of a disappointment. I, th- I still think we could have another stab at it. Is it market or is it medium? It's message. The market's there. The medium's there. We can't think of a strong enough message. Because what is the message? Sell your house now. Get a valuation. So it- it's not compelling enough, is it? What do we have? Where's the information gap? Because actually there's, there's very little of an information gap now. Years ago, when you, couldn't, you didn't know the price of a house when um, it was sold... I could sell that information all day long. I could say, or I'll send you the last 20 sales in your postcode. 
all the details of it. It was actually readily available online, but people weren't finding it. Now everybody knows where it is. Now Rightmove has it. Rightmove didn't have it at first. Only Landredge has it, had it at first. So there's no information gap for us to be able to capitalize on other than us saying we have a buyer for you. That's the only information gap we've found that works on Facebook. So I think Facebook ads, yeah. I think we've got some underutilized channels though. I've just read an amazing book on Google ads by my friend Claire Jarrett. Definitely go and buy it. And now I can't remember what it's called. Something about Google ads. By Claire Jarrett. By Claire Jarrett, yeah. It is an amazing book and I've read it cover to cover in one session. So I think we're missing a trick there. Yeah, how big is it? Not that big. But full of very, very good information. Really good information. Google ads success? I can't remember. Liam will look at it while we're talking and find it and put it in the show notes, hopefully. Looking forward. Can I add another surprise? Go on then. You said what, what was a surprise to you? I did. Probably working with my son-in-law in a successful way. I don't. That's a surprise to you. Yeah, it was. I don't. Yeah, it definitely was. So, so you, I know there was outside noise, Tracy, about it, which is fair <laughs> enough, I think. But you've never told me that you had doubts. I don't know if I had an active doubt, but looking back, it's a surprise. It's more of a surprise in hindsight, really. But we talked about this recently on what made me jump in feet first, chuck a load of money in, chuck my reputation into the ring. Mm. Start a new agency. It was a bit stupid, wasn't it? I think that... On the face of it. I've got to trust the sound back there. That's what I said to you, isn't it? I trust that the decision that I made then wasn't a throwaway decision. It must have been based on things that I trusted at the time. Mm. And one thing I find interesting that you were doing at the time is journaling, future journaling. I did a future journal, yeah. At what point did you do it and, and what did it say? I did it just before my birthday. So it must have been April. We opened my birthdays in July. So we've been about four months. And I did it for my 50th birthday. I journaled a future birthday. I can't remember exactly when it was. And I wrote in that journal things that have absolutely come true now. Was it a business or personal or both? No, I just So what you have to do is NLP. So you yeah. have to describe where you're sitting and what you're looking at at that moment in time. And then if you describe any success, you've got to find evidence of it in that picture that you can see. Mm-hmm. So I can't remember, I should actually bring it, bring it on. I've still got it. Good. It's in my bedside drawer. And it says something like, I'm sitting in a house by the lake. I'm sitting with our version of Tom and Claire, who are um, our ideal clients, probably Nicola and Russ, mm-hmm. if they're listening. Hello, Nicola and Russ. They've got a beautiful home overlooking the lake. They've got a beautiful golden retriever who's lying by my feet. They've made us a cup of tea. We're having a lovely chat. We're sitting on the success of an agency that is growing massively and has got a fantastic reputation. We've got soul signs outside all the beautiful homes in the Lake District. We've got, I can't remember what else I said, but it probably would have been monetarily related. And then you have to evidence it. So I might have said, so because I opened a statement this morning, which is not something I even do. <laughs> even have somebody to open our statements, don't we? And then I could see our bank balance. I can't remember what else I said, but it was definitely along those lines. And I remember thinking that's the agency of our dreams. Mm-hmm. And we've way surpassed that. So if you could write one today for three years time, what would it say? It would say that we'd got at least five branches of Ashdown Jones, that we were the go-to agent for each of those areas for selling the, the best homes in those areas. And then there'd be some personal stuff in there really about being able to... Married. Never know. Half kid. No more kids. It would say I had more time for getting out in the fells and travel and writing books. Just a side note, if you got married, or I, would I be your best man? Probably not. Probably wouldn't have a best man. Interesting. 
What are you most proud of in the last five and a half years? Our family, I think. Our family relationships. And that includes me and you. I think I'm, I'm really proud of our uh, partnership. I think it goes really well. We talk to a lot of partnerships where it's a disaster, where one is talking against the other one. Some really good partnerships out there. We've just been talking to Andrew and Chris yes. from Enfields. They feel like a team. It's, don't a, they? it's a really solid partnership, and they talk a lot about we. Mm. And I, we recognize that in them because yeah. we see it in ourselves. But some partnerships, one partner is coming and resenting the other partner or trying to get out of the partnership. They're not happy where they are. But I think we should be really proud of our partnership. I think it's a really solid partnership. So well done, us. Well done, us. Yeah. And I don't think it necessarily came easy at first that we had to both work at it. I had to bite my tongue a lot. There was things that you, and I'm sure you did as well, there was things that you wanted to do that I didn't think were going to be a success. And we went along with them anyway, because we were going to just try them. And some things I put my foot down about. So in fact, one thing that we tried that I thought was going to work, you didn't think was going to work, which was the three different tiers of service. Mm -hmm. And it oh, looked... That was in your training, wasn't it? Yeah, it probably was. Yeah. I yeah. remember listening to it. Yeah. So about pricing psychology. Yeah. yeah. Which from a psychology point of view is the right thing to do. Mm. But on a practicality wow. point of view. No, it's terrible. And actually, I'll tell you why. So I'll explain, first of all, the premise is you have three different levels and three different prices. A fee. A fee. 1%, 1.25%, 1.5% as an example, or even a fixed fee, low kind of purple bricks kind of offering, and then going all the way up to something with a beautiful bespoke brochure. And the reason that I realized it was wrong, apart from you telling me, was because my sister is a wedding photographer, Kathy Ashdown, with a K. And she had a package where she just sold the digital version of what she was she's a wedding photographer so she just saw the digital images and then she went around to see somebody one day who'd got a digital image and taken it to photo box got it enlarged for the wall and it looked absolutely awful and her name was signed on it and she realized then that her name was against something that she didn't love and that's what I realized was the problem with this because we'd be selling a house in an awful way mm. it's not best advice is it so you were definitely right about that you're probably wrong about sale progression, about setting up our own sale progression company. But we try lots of things, don't we? We set up a holiday let company that I didn't want to do, but we did sell it and mm -hmm. we sold it successfully. And it set us up in a, you know, a different, slight, slightly different market. Yeah. I wanted to buy the camper vans and you went along with that. And we had two camper vans that we then sold because it was a distraction. So I think we go along with each other because, well, I would go along with you in the early days because I felt that you need to learn. Well, you need, to, you need yeah. to see some failures yourself, yeah. didn't you? And realize it's okay to have failures. Otherwise, you never try anything. Mm -hmm. We were talking about this this morning about failing through fear. And if you fail confidently and fail forward. With support. With support and without any recriminations. Yeah. No, I told you so's. And you don't lose your house over mm. it. It's probably okay. Yeah. It's probably actually a positive. It is definitely a positive because then it's one more thing that doesn't work. It's mm. a bit like the Edison light bulb thing. If you, this might be quite a difficult question to answer. If you didn't have an estate agency and today you decided to start an estate agency, what three things would you do? You, it can be three things you've done with Ashton Jones or it can be three different things. I think we did the community building really well. When I look back, I think that was a really good foundation. Do you think that's an important pillar to yeah, I do. build upon? I definitely think that community building is important. I think it's more important than people realise. And it's not about putting Ashdown Jones on the back of a local football shirt. It's not that. It's about actually caring. There's that word again. 
in the community, about knowing people, about being pleased to see people and then being pleased to see you. It's, it's that. And that's from Sam Club to supporting local businesses, networking events. So I think that's something we did really well. We probably, we tried hard at the letters in the start. And I think we learned quite fast what was going to work. I think that was actually really good. We stupidly, and I don't know why we were thinking this, I think it was me, not you. We thought we should take on a business development person. And we hired him in the first two months. I don't know what we thought was we were going to be doing. Yeah, it was before, no. before Bex. Yeah, it wasn't the first two months. Can't have been. Well, Bex was August and we started in April. So we must, have start, we must have had him on from June. It was as soon as we moved into the new office. Right. But he was before Bex. Yeah, but I think that's one of those failures, if you like, that we had to go through. And we still do it now. We're still mm. employing roles that we try and soon realise isn't the right mm. direction. I wasn't saying I regret it. No. But I think that if we were to do it again, we wouldn't, we'd skip that step. Yeah, we'd save that money. <laughs> yeah, we would. I probably wouldn't advertise the local golf um, magazine. I wouldn't buy your crappy Mazda. I was just going to drive around in. Or was it the BMW that was the disaster? Didn't you buy a BMW off Sell and Seek? No, I had a Citroen C1 when we first opened. Yeah. We, what did you buy off of Sell and Seek that was a disaster? Yeah, it was, I needed something to drive from my house to Sam's house, <laughs> which was about no a 20 further. minute journey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it definitely didn't go. And then from there, I'd drive Sam's Volvo. It lasted about three days and broke down, didn't it? So that was the first cha- Our first challenge was how on earth do I get from my house to our office, which is Sam's house? I think one thing that we did well was a positive and negative in one. So I was living in a, a really lovely house and I was renting it at a ridiculous price. I think it was two and a half grand a month or something ridiculous, wasn't it? Because I had a successful coaching practice in fairness. I wasn't just opening an estate agency. Yeah. So when we opened the agency, we put it in the, in the house and then good news, bad news is he wanted to sell the house. So I'd, I'd put that down to that you'd earned that look. By having the successful coaching agency, you'd been able to afford this house rental. Mm-hmm. And then when we opened the agency, they wanted to sell. Mm-hmm. So it was lucky for us, wasn't it? Really? It was. we, could, we could do a lot with it, but you'd earned that. Yeah, I also had the confidence to be able to say to the owner, who we knew had tried to sell and failed, number one, we'll sell it. Number two, we'll charge 1% of asking, not 1% of sale price. I still feel guilty about that. And number three, I want £500 reduction off the rent because we're going to have to go and rent an office. And he agreed to all three. Did. <laughs> and we did sell it. And we created a lifestyle movie from it mm-hmm. that costs us a couple of grand. But that set us, set us off really on a new trajectory. So there's nothing that, apart from taking on the business development guy, there's nothing I would have done differently. I think we did everything well. Even to the point where you tried to move us into that little tiny cupboard of an office and within three days I'd moved us into a big expensive office. But then we filled that quickly. One thing I wish we'd done is document (laughs) the journey more. I wish we'd take more photographs back then. Yeah, and videos and... I don't think we've got a single picture of us sat in that office with the green carpet. I don't know. what. Yeah, that's one thing I wish we'd done. Yeah. And I'm sure there are more challenges we faced than we can remember well aml it must have been yeah we were we were illegal for six months <laughs> we just didn't know what we were doing did we i wish now and it's not really a wish but if we were restarting i think our team structure would be more solid right from the beginning and our induction and training and salary strategy 
all those things needed to be more solid. We definitely blew by the seat a little bit. But then because we were focused totally on growth. Mm. Yeah, th- those are the things that come back to bite you. Although you could argue if you spent more time doing that, then just the, the growth grown, su- yeah. suffer. Yeah. Well, we all we all know people who have talked about starting businesses of any kind and spend a year on their website. Yeah. And logo. Yeah. Yeah, I can't um, open yet. The website's not ready. Or I remember my mum saying to me that when her and my dad, they bought a cafe when they were like 19 and 20 years old. They were really young. And my dad closed for two weeks, even though it was a thriving cafe, to redecorate it. And the amount of business and the momentum they lost in that two weeks, mum said, we could have got a team of decorators in and done it in 24 hours mm. and gained that other, the rest of that income back. And so I think there is a danger that we try and do that, especially if you're a perfectionist. We started off with no, with no website. We didn't have a website for about a month, I don't know if you remember. And so we didn't really have anything to show anybody, but we made it work anyway. Because it's just about how you feel and how, how compelling your vision is mm. and how you portray that. I think a lot of people hide as a first out of enthusiasm, our enthusiasm. Yeah. And people like the new thing. They do like the, the new, new thing. shiny thing, don't yeah. they? Yeah, which is also, that is... The flip side of that is now we're not the shiny new thing anymore. No. And we've got no. more tough but, competition. But we, we can leverage that in a new area. We can. Yeah. But try and replace it with something, haven't you? Yes. Yeah. I think when I look back, I wouldn't have done this on my own. I, I wouldn't have liked to have done it on my own. At the time, I probably thought one day I'll do it. Whether I would have ever done it or not, I don't know. I was a bit too comfortable, probably. But no. I wonder what you'd be doing if you hadn't, if you hadn't suggested it to me and nagged me. Podcasting. <laughs> Doubtful. <laughs> on that note two more questions what i know you're an avid listener and reader what are you reading at the moment i remember the exact title i think it's the 17 irrefutable laws of leadership by john maxwell really really good and i'm on law 14 at the moment which is what i sent to you this morning mm-hmm. which is all about buy-in your team buy-in because actually if the team don't buy into you as a person they can't buy into your vision so yeah i'm really enjoying that and one thing, one book or one audiobook or podcast that any new agent should consume. So I think I'm going to be a bit controversial here. Don't listen to industry podcasts. They're all telling you the same rubbish. Well, I don't think ours is an industry podcast, you see. <laughs> is it? No, this miniseries has been. And I put a, a post in our Facebook group hoping everyone would say, don't get industry guests. <laughs> Uh, about half people have said other things like our story has been yeah quite inspirational for people to start off with nothing and get mm. to where we are now but i like non-industry podcasts i deliberately don't listen to in fact if i ever fall back into listening to an industry podcast i get really bored really quickly there's not enough takeaways for I me i never listen to no I, I, but i'd say because the industry doesn't interest me enough so i think you can pick up better tips because all the industry is is lead gen to get in sales to convert and then marketing. So, so you're not going to have a light bulb moment, are you? You can pick up a higher quality mm-hmm. view of those three things out of the industry. And that's what we do. So yeah. we listen to a lot of podcasts that are nothing to do with the industry. So our friend, Ellie Mackay, has got an amazing podcast called On a Mission. Listen to that. Stephen Bartlett, we both like, don't we? Diary of a CEO. Yeah, certain episodes. Yeah. I love the Toto Wolf episode. I liked that as well. You remember listening to that. I like that one. Who is he? The F1. Mercedes. Mercedes, Mercedes manager. I like a very odd podcast that I don't think you like to. I have to listen to it on a bit faster time, like 1.25 time. And it's by our good friend, Dean Jackson. I wish he was a good friend. 
Good Feels friend. like a friend, yeah. <laughs> Dean Jackson. I'm sure you promised me Dean Jackson on this podcast. I've got his email. Yeah, everyone has his email. <laughs> yeah, fair. Fair point. <laughs> yeah, email marketer. He's probably the single best marketer that I've ever known. Nine word email. Yeah. He's Mr. D- Dean Jackson. And landing page. He yes. invented the landing page. Squeeze page, as it was called squeeze then. Page. It was called a squeeze page. We don't call it a squeeze page anymore. No. Well, squeeze page. Sounds so, better, squeeze page. He's got a few podcasts. One's called I Love Marketing and... They're interview Polish. ones though, aren't they? I don't so like the ones, interview yeah, ones. Yeah, not that one. The I Love Marketing is an interview one. It's just him and Joe Polish talking rubbish like me and you do. But the interview one that you don't like. So what he does is he does something called a strategy session where somebody will have a, a series of problems that, he, that they want solving on an hour call with him, which is free, and he podcasts it. And there was a guy the other day who was driving me mad. He's he got this stupid idea of ice cream in a some kind of insulated bowl that would be delivered to you for $10, including postage. And he was making $2 a bowl profit. And I think he's gone bust since. Terrible idea. It's got a lot of realtors on it because he's actually a realtor. Has you heard of an ice cream van? (laughs) So Dean Jackson is a realtor and he's in Winterhaven in Florida. Mm -hmm. And his girlfriend... Yeah, he's a realtor. He does not look like a realtor. No, I don't think he actually realtors himself anymore. No. But he's got uh, some amazing realtor products and services and his girlfriend is I want to say a nail and brow lady I think and so he has all these is she attractive I don't know I'm imagining so because he's very successful bless him Dean might listen to this in fact if Dean does listen to this I'm not going to get him on the podcast if you do Dean marketing legend yeah very distinctive look discipline (laughs) discipline in marketing (laughs) but he's got some great marketing ideas for her and for his realtor friends and himself and so he's, uh, so he, yeah, for an hour, he kind of goes through all these problems this person has. He calls it the before unit, the during unit and the after unit in terms of what marketing is working and which bits you can leverage. Mm. And he also talks about the eight profit activators and what you can do to leverage your business, which I think is genius. And that his first ever podcast was by an immigration lawyer who was just, I think at the time, just working on his own. He was helping people with their immigration visas and not charging very much. Now he's got a multi-multi-million pound business and he was just interviewed again. I think it's like six years later. (laughs) And he put in place all the things that Dean said and his business just exploded. So I really like that. Anyway, that that, um, podcast is called More Cheese, Less Whiskers. And it's all about cat and mouse. So if you want to attract a mouse out of its hole, if you're a cat, don't show the mouse your whiskers, show them the cheese. More cheese, less whiskers. Good metaphor there. I think so. Um, thank you for being on my show. It's our show. I hope you Phil. enjoyed my show. Anyway, that wraps up this episode of the Ignite podcast. No. 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 Oh, let me tell you a funny story, though. And if you could leave me a testimonial. <laughs> we're out on the boat, the boat that we now don't have anymore because we sold it for £17 million. That's what Phil's son was told by Phil. And he's now gone and told everybody. As a throwaway were... comment. Yeah. And if the tax man hears that, we're in trouble. Mm. Anyway, we're out on the boat and we're out with a lady called Polly Winder. And Polly is a voiceover artist and she does our intro to the Ignite podcast. So Phil didn't know what Welcome she looked like. To the... Yeah. So she's on the next boat to us. And I said to Polly, I said, Phil doesn't know who you are. Just say, just do the intro. So she goes, Welcome to the Ignite podcast, like this. And Phil's face was just an absolute picture. I thought someone was playing it. I got excited. <laughs> Oh, this, is, this is the moment I've been waiting for. It was really funny. Mm. She's a great girl. So thanks for being on my show. 
My pleasure. Until next time. I'm going to put you on my show. What's your show called? It's called <laughs> Football Failures. <laughs> Quick story before we end this. Another one. I feel like we've ended this, ended this podcast many times. For the second time over the space of four years, I received some fan mail. <laughs> you need to take a picture Talking of about failed footballers. And put it Inside in... <laughs> this fan mail was a handwritten note. So he's obviously been watching our direct mail videos. <laughs> and it had a very good CTA asking for a signature. It had in there, it made it as easy as possible, which is another marketing tip where he had an envelope that was already stamped with an address on. <laughs> and in there was a photograph and I turned it over and to find that it wasn't a picture of me. It was a picture of the footballer, Phil Jones. You are the footballer, Phil so, Jones. Unfortunately, <laughs> I still haven't received some fan mail. So it, <laughs> if you'd like to have a signature, then... Somebody needs to print out a picture of you and send it to you. I can, and Ian Story's doing it right now. I can, I, can, I can feel it. I know he is. I never get any. There's a rugby player in America called Sam Ashdown. Where's he? Yeah. He so, must hate me. There you go. Failed footballers. Can't wait to be on the podcast. If you are feeling frustrated with the lack of growth in your agency and you're impatient to reach those ever-moving goalposts, then here's your invitation to find out more about if and how we can help you scale and build the agency of your dreams. All we want you to do is go to fire-wave.co.uk forward slash AJMM and that'll be in the show notes as well where you'll find full information on all of our amazing mastermind programs.